Hi, I'm Laura Laker, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. Today, we're talking to Laura Laker about cycling journalism, e-bikes, shorthand, and Lindy hopping. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Wheel Suckers podcast is forged in the studios of Wardour and the flipping, fantastic Fitzrovia, London. One does not simply record podcasts at Wardour, they also do voiceovers and original music composition. Let their professional team of engineers, producers, and composers be your guide. Visit wardourstudios.co.uk for more. Hi, I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, a cycle cafe bar workshop. On 49 Old Street, London, we serve coffee, bikes, beer, food, and I'm joined by my stoker. Jenny the stoker, right in the back of the tandem. I am the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We teach people to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our women and gender variant and women of color nights. We have guests in the studio. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Do you want to... Introduce yourself. Is that how we want to do it now? Yeah. Introduce yourself. So I'm Who Laura- are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who am I? That's a good question. Who are who are any of us? So I'm Laura Laker. I am a cycling journalist. I write about I tell people that I write about transport uh mainly, which I do. So I'm interested in walking and cycling, active travel, safer roads, cleaner air, a better planet, better cities, better world. Thumbs up. Mm. Do you write about cars ever? Um, do I? It's not allowed. <laughs> They're on your radar? Yes, they are. Yes, I do. I guess in the context of air pollution and road danger and uh, sentencing from time to time. And funnily enough, I grew up in quite a car, I guess, like enthusiast household. My dad was a really? amateur racing driver as a oh, young wow. man. So we had all these broken down old cars at the driveway. We looked like a sort of junkyard with all these like bits of scrap metal. And my dad was one of those people who just collected stuff and didn't throw it away. So he was always tinkering with engines and taught me how they worked. When I was a kid, I remember him drawing a picture of pistons and the cam drive and how everything worked. And yeah, taught me about that and beer. And the only thing I think I was interested in was the engines. So I was quite into wow. cars for a while. Wow. Yeah. And driving. Oh. Yeah. I remember you had a great story about how you got into bikes, was mm. it? That you told it looked on your hands a while back. Yes. So we so we grew up in this uh semi junkyard looking house in a like an old tumble down uh, cottage in Somerset and we lived on quite a fast road. It was a quiet road mainly, but when people came past they came past very quickly. And we had a number of animals who would move in with us, uh, just 
obviously had a sign on the gate that only the creatures could see and uh, they would just come and turn up at the door these stray cats straggly looking cats and we would uh, we would look after them and they would move in with us anyway from time to time a cat would would lose the cat to the road outside and I love animals and always have and I always thought you know how ridiculous it is that we use cars so much I guess I was a bit of a strange strange kid I wrote this long poem about how we should uh, not use cars as much and uh well be better if we just drove around on horses and I guess my thinking around that has stayed fairly the same apart from uh, I like bicycles now instead so the iron it's a bit horse. more practical a little bit more practical than keeping a horse in a city <laughs> so yeah yeah I've always loved the environment and uh, I think I think I saw the car as a kind of useful tool but it gets to the point where it starts to damage us damage the places we live and make the roads less safe and so that's kind of been my quest I think to kind of change people's thinking around that and to get more cycling because it makes so much sense for short journeys. Mm. Makes the world a better place. Amen. <laughs> what was your journey then from maybe there to where you are now, if you're a cycling wow. journalist? Yeah, it's quite a long journey. So I guess... We've I buckled guess... up. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Brought food. Brought snacks. Yeah. <laughs> <Hot> water. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess... Gosh, where do I start? Um, so, yeah, I've always cared about the environment, but didn't really know what I wanted to do for a kind of long time. I uh, finished school at 15 and I had to go and do A-levels. So I basically chose, I mean, I'd been moved up a year in school. My sister used to teach me uh, when we were in primary school. She t- taught me everything she learned in the first year. And so I skipped the first year. Anyway, come the end of school, I had to go to college and sort of pick things at random, basically. I literally flipped a coin for one of my classes. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to take. And then... Barely turned up. I was quite naughty, really. Um, barely turned up to my classes, didn't turn up to one of my exams at the end and came out with like one D and uh, I'd sort of moved out of home in the meantime, moved out of home at 16. Were you rebelling? And yeah, I mean, I kind of was, yeah. And I've always been very independent and I guess single-minded and, and I had all these random jobs and I'd always get fired because I wouldn't turn up or I wouldn't agree <laughs> with the management. I was very sort of, I was probably a massive pain in the ass, to be honest. And uh, yeah, so anyway, it got to the point where I, I thought, you know, I've got to do something with my life and I was, you know, grand old age of 18 and so I went back to college. Just rediscovered my love of the environment and um, it was a sort of diversion via um, nutrition. I thought I'd be a dietitian for a while. I thought, you know, I can make the world a better place by helping people be healthier and then yeah, anyway, that, that kind of I realised I was far too sensitive to be working with sick people in hospitals and then took a journalism, finished my degree, I moved to London, switched unis, um, took a journalism course after uni and then did an internship with the London Cycling Campaign. Ah. Uh, They contacted my journalism school. So, and then I went and did some work there and I just started cycling in London at the time. So I was riding around the streets, loving that and loving the freedom of the bicycle. And I'd been cycle touring for the first time, loved that. And yeah, I just saw cycling and writing about cycling as a way to kind of marry my love of the environment and find something that was meaningful for me that I could stick with. And that's all I wanted to write about after that. So I kind of became obsessed with making the world a better place through cycling. And yeah, that's kind of whistle stop. Impressive. As a journalism school question, um, 
you write in shorthand. I do, yeah. Um, and it looks amazing. And yeah. but I'm wondering if you can talk about what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of magical language that we learn at journalism school. Yeah, I love journalism school. It was this sort of six month, very intense course, and it takes up all your time. And you have to do the shorthand. You have to learn that in, I think, eighteen weeks. It was the thing I was the best at, to be honest. I mean, I was always making errors in news writing, and it took me a long time to get the sort of concentration to check all this because they give you really difficult spellings of names and stuff and try and trip you up. But the shorthand I absolutely loved. So um, we had this amazing teacher called Angela and she would she was like a school teacher and she'd set us down and she'd be like, right, this is how we do it. This is A, this is B. And so shorthand works, or the T line that I learned, it's kind of... So you have a an outline, they call them, for each letter, and you write phonetically. And so um, about is A, B, T, and it's all sort of joined together. So it looks like one kind of outline. Um, but the A is just a sort of small diagonal line. The B looks like a number six, and the T is a kind of horizontal line midway between oh, okay. the two lines. Yeah, yeah, and then the D's on the horizontal line and the bottom of the line. So, so anyway, people are always fascinated by it because it looks a bit like hieroglyphs when you've done it. And I've been writing a lot and I was doing a lot of diaries at the time so I could write very quickly and so um, yeah I picked that up and I absolutely love it yeah it's a really fun skill to have and it's super useful if you're interviewing someone on the phone and you can just scroll what you're writing and yeah. someone I guess if you're opposite them and they, you could be writing stuff and they don't know what you're anything about them <laughs> yeah <Super>. yeah <laughs> liar yeah I'll put a link yeah. below because you Pictures. did that brilliant tweet yeah. a while back to us and yeah I was like it looks like the Pokemon unknown if anybody knows it but they just it didn't make any sense I know, it, it wouldn't great yeah it's amazing yeah I did actually invent my own sort of shorthand when I was a kid because I didn't want my sister reading my diaries and um, yeah it was not as sophisticated as T-Line obviously but uh, yeah it's something that I've always quite liked it's sort of mysterious writing yeah it's cool mm. it's cool I'll go back on the road again <clears throat> uh... <laughs> so I guess we want to lead into talking about mm-hmm. this interview yes. and how you held your composure do you mind explaining a bit more about the interview so yeah the BBC called me up and said can you come on tomorrow morning and this was the weekend and it's kind of a great opportunity in a way to try and change people's thinking around what cycling is and what it could be and I think as a woman and someone who's fairly kind of reasonable when they're speaking is I don't know it probably comes across better than if I I don't know, than if I were maybe more of a typical cyclist in inverted commas, like a guy and, I don't know, wearing wearing some weird (laughs) bright clothing. And so, yeah, it's happened a few times now and I, I was asked on Sky and they were far worse. I mean, I thought the BBC people were quite um, reasonable by stand, other standards uh, because I've been on Sky before and they have put, I didn't realise at the time until afterwards, they would put killer cyclists in a banner under my face uh, on <laughs> the screen. That, I, yeah, I remember you posting the Hilarious. picture of that and it was like, oh yeah. my God. And Yeah, and... Killer cyclists. Yeah, I mean, it's not hilarious, obviously. I mean, it's, it's kind not, of, but, yeah. if you remove it from the obvious seriousness of the situation, it's almost like you're being trolled on TV. And mm. it almost, I don't know, it, at first it's quite overwhelming, but actually it becomes almost enjoyable because you're, it's almost just like a game, really. And journalism, one of the things that you learn at journalism school is, you know, make things emotive. And it's one of the things that I've always felt uncomfortable about because I studied a science at university and and feel very strongly about 
you know, being accurate and being fair and being balanced, but that's not what gets the clicks mm-hmm. or the views or the comments. And that's kind of, there's a whole other story around how sort of news is going and, um, yeah, and how we discuss certain topics in the news because it gets clicks or makes people upset or angry. And, um, yeah, so for me it's about being in that situation and being able to separate yourself from the emotive language and just get the facts across and and to be reasonable and not to sort of rise to, you know, not to feed into these ideas of cycling being this dangerous, subversive thing and just being something very positive and normal, potentially. And, um, yeah, and it's about sort of hopefully changing some people's minds if you you know they might see me and think oh yeah I can see what I can see what she means actually and she looks fairly reasonable and isn't shouting at anyone or isn't getting you know so yeah that's kind of the quest and Mm. um yeah it can be tricky though if you're on if you're on live tv but it's amazing what adrenaline does actually you can yeah it makes you think on your feet sometimes you, you actually used the adrenaline to yeah, help you yeah yeah so yeah was it I, is it a matter of experience though like I, yeah. feeling it again and being like ah oh, I've got this energy now yeah. I know how to channel it I think so yeah the first few times I could sort of almost hear my heart thumping and I had a little microphone on my top and I was wondering if that was picking it up because it felt so loud I was really because it's terrifying you're on live tv if something goes wrong then mm. it's you know there's I don't know how many people watching but yeah, you just have to sort of try and, for me, it's about focusing on the facts and having points that I want to make and not sort of being sidetracked by, oh, but shouldn't cyclists or, you know, Be whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a tricky one. And I think, I don't know, I think those prejudices that people have about cyclists, they both come from and are and feed into news readers, journalists, prejudices and how they then speak about and write about cycling and cyclists and so it's a tricky one I try and be a, you know you try and be a voice of reason but it's it's yeah it's a hard one to change people's mindsets because it's so easy to get people riled up about about people on bikes in this country it seems to be an English-speaking country thing it's similar in the US it's mm-hmm. worse in Australia mm-hmm. in Europe of course people are just people and you know sometimes you ride a bike sometimes you drive a car sometimes you walk and it's no big deal but I don't know it seems to be a real not issue but the news seem to just want a gun for those kind of yeah. articles when they can it's yeah an easy target. And Statistically speaking, there are so many more road deaths from with pedestrians and people on motorbikes. Mm. You just don't hear about that yeah. at all. You mean they, people killed? People killed, yeah, yeah. Pedestrians and, yeah. and it's like that's been normalised. People accept, the news accepts it, but then when anything happens with a cyclist, it's like easy target, minority group, yeah. bam, like... Yeah, it's really frustrating and it's really damaging to the to the cause of making our streets safer, unfortunately. And politicians do listen to this stuff and they see, oh, the Daily Mail doesn't like cyclists. What are they going to do if we decide to spend the £10 a head that we know, we've known for a decade that we need to spend per head per year on cycling in order to start getting 
uh, a cycling culture in this country, and that's the sort of minimum. But um, yeah, it just takes someone with with the sort of political will and who understands how important it is and how potentially beneficial. But it's hard to see through those headlines, see past those headlines and all of the feeling that they stir up because, yeah, there's not many things that get people riled up like cycling. It's amazing. (laughs) I wanted to talk about your recent article in The Guardian, which was, should we stop using the word cyclist? I think it's a larger issue, isn't it, rather than just the word? Yes, that's what I was going to say. Um, Yeah, so I think cyclist is a kind of byword for... Trans, transgressive road user sometimes, <laughs> naughty person, red light jumper, pavement cycle, pavement rider. It's got those connotations. Of, yeah. But, um, yeah, and it's something that I've thought for a few year, quite a few years now. But, um, yeah, as you say, it's a, it's a wider issue, really. And I think if we focus on that, then we risk losing the bigger point. And like you say, a lot of people are killed on the roads every year, around 1,700 roughly per year many of those are pedestrians many of those are on motorbikes motorcyclists are the most vulnerable road user that we have in this country of course the the common denominator all too often is motor vehicles so cars in urban areas lorries disproportionately represented and yeah we we're not really having that conversation in a sort of grown up and real way unfortunately and i think that we're quite immune to road danger when it comes from motor vehicles because people use the word accident and they say oh the car went out of control and it's almost as if there's no human agency there's no person behind that in inverted commas accident you know it's a collision it wasn't an accident it was someone's choice to drive all too often to drive dangerously or to speed or and you hear some horrible stories about about things that happen on pedestrian crossings and children and all of these things and they don't get half of the attention that we get in the papers when someone kills someone if they're riding a bike or hurts someone or acts dangerously if they're riding a bike and any road death of course is awful and but yeah we're just not proportionate in the way that we look at that so yeah I think we need a sort of bigger conversation about you know what where the road danger is coming from, where the air pollution is coming from, where the congestion is coming from, because all of this is is being put onto cyclists at the moment from some quarters. And it's absolute nonsense, obviously. It's just, yeah. Do you think that comes from the fact that a lot of these people who are car users are the majority of people yeah. in a way, or people identify as being a driver? Yeah. And then they put themselves in that person's shoes and they're like oh but I know what it's like and those those cyclists they just come out of nowhere and it's not their fault and that's why it it falls in in the court like people they they say it's careless not dangerous driving and no one gets prosecuted exactly yeah I think you're exactly right and the distinction between dangerous driving and careless driving is so sort of vague anyway it's driving that falls below a certain standard or far below a standard of a careful and competent driver and and yeah, you're totally right. People who are on juries think, you know, it's basically the, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, accidents, inverted commas, happen. We all sometimes look at our phone at the wheel and I and I think that we just accept that this happens and it shouldn't be accepted. You know, driving a car is one of the most dangerous things that most of us will ever do and yet we sort of treat it so lightly and that does need to change and the way that the court system treats 
those deaths is not serious enough and doesn't send out a message of the seriousness of driving. And uh, I was always taught as a kid, cause my dad was so into cars and racing, but he was so sort of, he was very, very kind of careful about driving on the roads. And he was always like, you know, just assume everyone's going to be a dangerous driver. Just don't, you know, don't take any risks. Don't get in a car with someone who's driving badly. And it kind of sowed this seed in my mind of, you know, this doesn't have to be, you know, people have a choice how they use their vehicles. So maybe that's what made me see it differently. But, um, yeah, certainly as a society, it's all kind of a bit a bit messed up, really. Do you have any ideas on how these changes could be implemented? Because I'm thinking of things like the smoking campaign mm. or drink driving sort yeah. of thing. I think there's a big educational piece to be done, definitely. I think people don't seem to realise what kind of dangers their cars pose I've become an annoying neighbour and um, where I live I go outside and I ask people to turn off their engines because I have a very sort of sensitive smell and I just can't stand the smell of diesel and people sit outside the sometimes outside the window and I can't just can't help myself so I go out and um and I say I ask them to turn off their engines and um it's amazing the response people don't realize that it's an issue don't think it's an issue isn't it illegal yeah, it is. Yeah, running your car from a minute or more, there's fines that you can... Um, but nobody's ever checking. No, like The council's never checking. But, yeah, one guy was like, oh, modern cars don't pollute. and which is, He's driving a <laughs> petrol engine. It's like, wow. Uh, another guy, he's in, like, a tow truck, a commercial tow truck. He said, um, move out of London if you don't like it. Uh, oh, there's other wow. cars on the street. There's just a road over there. There's cars on it. It's just just people don't understand. And I just think, you know, it's amazing. Why don't people, why don't we tell people this? Why aren't we advertising the fact that idling is like a part of the problem, that your car is part of the problem and your behaviour is impacting other people's health? And if people don't understand that very basic fact, then we've got a very long way to go. Um, yeah, and I, I think... I'd really like to see speed cameras. Um, I'm a big fan of speed cameras. Of course, that's like the Daily Mail would have a field day if we started introducing those en masse. But, you know, people speeding, just just catch them. Just don't speed. You know, if you speed, that's, yeah, that's up to you. But, you know, face the points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think, I think you know, if someone drives yeah. dangerously... You know, take away the license. You need a slap more than a slap on the wrist. Yeah. yeah. I just think, you know, take away people's licenses if they show that they're not Yeah. They're not sort of capable of driving safely. Yeah. They're not responsible enough because people's lives are at stake. You hear these horrible stories about people like hurting multiple people on the roads. They've got like a lot of points in their license and yet they claim hardship and they're still allowed to drive and Yeah. You, in this country, do you get retested? Or is it you pass your driving test and you're done? You you're set for life. Yeah, you pretty much pass, and then I think it's when you get to seventy, you will have an eye test. <laughs> That's a and long a, time. Yeah, so until you're seventy, <laughs> yeah, it's unless you, bad. yeah, unless something happens, unless you crash into something, then um, yeah, you get to yeah, yeah, retesting. Yeah, every ten years would be good. Mm. And then reminding people of the 
I think people know. I think people know what they're supposed to be doing. It's like when I was studying dietetics. It's like people know what they should be eating. They just don't do it. There's no immediate benefit. Yeah. So they're just It'll like, be all right. Oh, it doesn't matter. It'll be doesn't fine. Matter. I'm just me. one person. Not me. I just drive not 10 me. miles other over people, the street. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's other people, yeah. Because uh, everyone thinks they're slightly better than the norm. So, yeah, I think people's yeah. perception. But what, what has been shown to be effective is sort of zero tolerance policing. So, mm. you know, if you're going to lose your license, if you're naughty on the roads, then you're not going to be naughty. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for that. Yeah. Just stop cutting our police forces. Yeah, I know that's the thing. Yeah, we don't have enough police anymore. <laughs> I was like, we're just going to get into too stretched. much of a... Uh, it's a huge... Yeah, yeah, it's a huge thing. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being like a... Like very sort of serious and... I, yeah. It's a serious issue. It is a serious issue. Serious I feel strongly issue. about it. Yeah, I just watched that this mini documentary about this guy in New York because it's the idling is an offense mm-hmm. in oh, New yeah. York City as well. But they allow regular punters to go out and submit information when a car is idling, and you get a cut of their fine. Wouldn't that be great? I love they that. Should oh, totally. I would be on idling to trial. Get yeah. a tasty few little yeah. five pounds. No, this guy <laughs> made... Friday. How yeah. much did he make? Like nine grand? Hell yeah. <laughs> he was retired, wasn't he? And yeah. he was just... Like, I love the way he approached people. He's just like... Uh, he's just sort of very matter of fact and calm and then he's just, yeah, yeah. taking his uh, commission. That could be you. You could be getting some oh, money God. from you should post, <laughs> you should post that little mini, mini dog. Yeah, we'll, we'll, put, uh, we'll put a link below to that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty cool. Video. That's that's a great idea. Yeah, I, think. Mm, I like, I like it. Uh, let's go into more positives. Mm. What's been your favourite interview so far? Ooh, um, so ooh, ooh. Um, I interviewed Jenny Graham. Do you know Jenny Graham? Yeah, she's mm, one yes. of the co-founders, co-directors of the Adventure Syndicate, and she was the fastest woman to cycle around the world recently. She's really good. Yeah, I love her. I love her her sort of attitude. She's very she's very amazing person. She is she has a wonderful voice as well. So mm. before I interviewed her, I listened to she did these kind of audio postcards for the BBC which were wonderful and so it's just her in a tent sort of saying oh this is what I've done today I got stopped at a checkpoint and turns out they just wanted selfies with me and then we were trying to like talk to each other but we didn't speak each other's language so we're doing charades and she's just yeah she's just wonderful and yeah and the way she talks about the landscape and she saw a bear and she was really scared but she's like pedaling away and singing on the road as she's cycling and yeah she's did this amazing thing and is just an awesome person. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I get That's to speak to some cool. speak to some inspiring people. Mm. And then some clunkers. Yeah. Any <laughs> Can you share any interviews that have gone wrong? Oh so well, I think the most <laughs> embarrassing one. So I interviewed you the woman who um lost her leg when she when she and the lorry collided on old street and she a friend of hers contacted me um asking if i wanted an interview and so i contacted the sunday times and the journalist there he's now moved to the mail on sunday mark hookham who's very good he came along with me thankfully to do this interview with her and she is incredible it was only a short time after the crash and um so she's still in hospital and we interviewed her and um, he had done a lot of war reporting as well because he is sort of defence and transport correspondent. So he did a lot of the questions and was very good. And I was quite glad to let him sort of lead because I don't have as much experience on this. Anyway, so we both recorded or so I thought we did. 
Um, and then it was very sort of intense because she remembers everything about this collision and it was, you know, beyond traumatic, obviously, and she almost didn't make it and it was really... I just, yeah, the medics just couldn't believe that she survived it, basically. They were absolutely astounded that she's still alive and smiling and just, yeah, amazing. Anyway, so we had this interview and and it was full on and she was amazing. And then we left and I looked down at my phone and it hadn't recorded the interview. Um, But luckily, Mark had recorded it, so... Yeah, very, extremely embarrassing and potentially it could have been very bad if he hadn't been with me. So, yeah, yeah, we make mistakes sometimes. That was a bad one. Um, yeah, I've got an app on my phone and um, I didn't want to be looking at my phone, you know, in the interview because it looks incredibly rude. I wanted to check, but I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. Um, so, yeah, next time uh, I do something of that importance, then I will dig out my old uh, d- dictaphone and, uh, yeah. It looks cooler. Yeah, it does actually. Than, like someone waving a phone waving in front phone. of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get like a, like a cassette tape out and yeah. you like have to rewind it. <laughs> okay. Hang on, i flip the tape now. Go, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Let's talk about bikes. How many bikes do you have? How many bikes do I have? <laughs> How many? I've got quite a lot of bikes. Mm. I've got... You're amongst friends. Yeah, um, it's, it's okay. It's cool. <laughs> I, mean... I used to have seven. It's cool. Okay. How many have you got, Jenny? Four working. Yeah. Do you okay. feel better? So, okay, yeah, I've got six bikes. I don't ride all of them, obviously. Um, At once. I'm not a spider. <laughs> day, uh, double day. <laughs> With a stick. Oh, my God. <laughs> Carls, imagine, Carls will give you room there. You could make take the lane. Go <laughs> Yeah. It's actually amazing. If you're riding something like non-sand, I borrowed oh, I borrow yeah. a friend's cargo bike sometimes to move stuff around because he lives near me. And, uh, yeah, it's great. People just give you loads of room or... Yeah. Yeah, I was carrying two rucksacks, one on the front, one on the back. And uh, anyway, yeah, if you're carrying loads of bikes, then yeah, people give you room. So yeah, six, yeah, six bikes. So that's quite a lot of bikes. I need to get rid of a couple of them, actually. I don't really ride them. I've just dug out a road bike that I haven't ridden for a couple of years. 
got this like don't really do road riding anymore just mm. the traffic's annoying yeah i quite like to do you know my n plus one would be like a gravel bike i'd probably get rid of a couple of bikes and do like a kind of off-roady touring a grow yeah grow i like that hashtag road but it's so fun i did the um i did the dorset gravel dash last year and that was amazing it's just not you know just riding through the countryside it's it's incredible going through puddles getting covered in mud going down rocky hills you don't have to worry about cars traffic Brilliant! The dream. Camp out is amazing. That's it is that's the dream. like that's the kind of cycling I want to do these days. Mm. So, what are you riding in your collection? What have you got? Um, so, I've got I've got my trusty old hybrid bike, which I must have for ten years now. It's just like a very bog standard hybrid that just you just can't break. It's also my touring bike. It weighs a ton. It's got a lot of metal on it, so um, you can put loads of weight on and it doesn't mind. Does uh, it have a name? Um, no, I don't really name don't things. Name I don't name an animal. No, I'm not like an. I'm I not don't a name bikes because they, they get stolen. Yeah. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. What are you yours know, Some people do. I name my bikes. That's what fine. are they called? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, is this new information I, for me? I wrote <laughs> in... You want those? The bike I built in the book I wrote, How to Build a Bike, uh, is Foxy Brown. Um, my tank that I ride to work every day is Debbie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my Ison is... It's not a very good name if I can't remember it. I haven't ridden the Ison in so long, but yeah, you, we rode it last week. You don't remember? No. Oh. Uh, I just built up my mountain bike. That doesn't have a name Ooh. yet. I feel, I'm feeling it's something like Bruce, but it has to. It has to tell me its name. Okay. Um, oh yeah, the, Ice, the Ison's name is um, Barbarella. Barbarella. Yeah. That's a good name. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, how do you get the name off them? Do you like? Do you like just, hit them with a tuning fork? No, or no, listen to the just, sound that comes out as you're riding. Yeah, as you're riding, something just appears, <laughs> like a vision. You and the bike have fused as oh. one, and it's it te- it's like telekinesis. We talk to each other. It tells me its Aww. name when it's ready to be revealed. So it took a while. It took a while for Debbie to reveal her name to me. I think she's quite shy, <laughs> oh. like a bike yeah. whisperer. Debbie yeah. is almost onomatopoeic. Isn't it? Because you can imagine it making that noise. If you've got yeah. something a bit makes a ding noise, yeah. If you're like Debbie, 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 yeah, finding <laughs> on gra- something gravelly, gravelly pass, and then something's also tinging, ding, 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 Debbie, 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 Debbie. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the mountain bike, but I'm getting a, a Bruce. I'm channeling Bruce, yeah. Bruce right now, yeah. so maybe it might. That's be Bruce. like the whoosh of that's like the whoosh of of air yeah, past spruce. your ears, spruce trees. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, sorry, what else have you got? Other sorry, bikes. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a road bike that I use for commuting. Sturdy old, trusty bike. Then I have a carbon road bike, which I haven't ridden for a while. Oh, I got it out of the shed and I washed the cobwebs off. And um, yeah, it's amazing. I took it for a ride last night and taking it to the Ataplock Nest next weekend. Uh, so. I was just checking that I could still ride the bike, and I can put the put the old clippy pedals on. Clippy, I know, I know all the I know all the terminology. So yeah, yeah. Clippy clipped pedals. in, <laughs> didn't yeah. fall off. Good, can still do that. So yeah, I was like, wow, this bike's amazing. Why don't I ride this? But it's because you can't put a pannier rack mm. on it. Like I'm a I'm a utility, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so do you no longer own 
An、mm. e-bike. Oh, so the e-bike isn't mine. I've borrowed it. it long term. It's a long term loan.、Um, yeah, the e-bike. So it was le- it was lent to me. It's quite. It's like an experiment, really. So I'm seeing what it's like to have one. What it kind of does as a as a cyclist already, and also what the potential is for like other people to use e-bikes. Because、mm. um, I think it's an interesting idea. The e-bike. I think it's kind of well. There's Yeah, I think it's potentially quite transformational. Future. Yeah, it, it is though. If you're looking at、um, like people who want to get out of their cars and they maybe don't feel like they're very fit or they've got like knee issues, maybe a long journey to work. Or if they've、work. got a long journey to work, yeah. So I first first got this e-bike. I did like a twenty mile round trip to the theatre, and I wore my heels and a dress, which I couldn't have done, you know, twenty miles across town. And I was I'm lucky enough to live at the end of one of the cycle super highways. And so it was basically cycle route all the way there. It was amazing, and I was just thinking as I was riding along, this is like a massive game changer. I can imagine just anyone, you know, with the routes in place, safe routes, and then how easy this thing is. You know, you can just turn it right up. Just you're just putting a bit of light pressure on the pedals. You're still moving, and then you just whoosh off to the theatre, and then you can come back, and you don't smell of bo in the theatre, which is great for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and yourself, <laughs> and for yourself, yeah. No, that's only bad when you can smell yourself. Oh god, yeah. You and you're like, oh my god,、point. is that me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get it when it's subtle. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay though. Usually, sometimes I'll check with people. I'm like, can you smell me?、Yeah. And they're like, no.、That's、and I'm good, like,、yeah. all right, it's just me. I'm really. Like、Sensitive. keyed in、yeah. on my own scent, and <laughs> yeah, it's a bit yeah. strong right now. But yeah, how have the reactions from other cyclists been?、Um, so one night I was riding home. It was very sweet. I saw this guy, and I saw him checking out the battery on the bike, and I was looking at his battery, and we were like. He's like an old guy. It was really funny though. It could have been like checking each other out, but we weren't. We were looking at each other's bikes, and he he wasn't my type. He's a bit old.、Um, anyway, so we're riding along, and we're on the CS2, the cycle superhighway, and we are stopping at the lights together, and we go on a bit, and then we stop at the lights, and eventually, I was like, "Oh, how's your e-bike?" Because I. One of my new favourite things is just talking to strangers, and、uh, it's amazing. People, you just say something to someone, and I don't know if I have one of those faces that people will just talk to me. But、um, yeah, people will really open up. So we were just riding along side by side, <laughs> and、um, so he told me that he had lost like an enormous amount of weight through bariatric surgery because he'd been very overweight, and he used to motorbike. Into work, and it was something like a. It was a really long commute. I want to say between fifteen and twenty miles each way. Wow! And he'd been mopeding, and he knew that once he'd lost this weight, he had to keep it off, and so he needed to change something in his life, and so he got this e-bike, and was using it every day. And he said it's a little bit longer, but not much. It's only like there was only like ten, fifteen minutes in it. It was quite amazing, really. And so he's doing that instead, and he loves it. And he said, "It's like, yeah, it's brilliant." And we got well. I turned off at just after Stratford, and he was only halfway home at that point. So yeah, that was amazing. And yeah, it's nice actually. Yeah, other people with e-bikes talk to you. I took a, an e-mountain bike. I borrowed an e-mountain bike from Canyon. Wow!、Um, just before Easter, I went to did the Caledonia Way. Most of that on on this e-bike, and I was riding through Edinburgh, and I saw another guy on an e-mountain bike, and I was like, just I just started. I hadn't really used it very much, and so I was like. Pedaling along, and it's really hilly in Edinburgh, so it's like quite a smug feeling just to like put it on turbo and off you go. Anyways, another guy on an on an e mountain bike, and I was like, he was on the other side of the road, like we we're going the same direction, but he was in like a different lane. And I was like, e mountain bike, brilliant, and he's like. 
yeah, best thing ever. <laughs> oh, it's so lame. It's so cute. I love it. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was all brilliant. I was just like, yeah, I just loved how enthusiastic he was about this thing. And I was like, I know, it's great, isn't it? So we're just riding along and I was like, bye. He's like, bye. So that's me now. I mean, I'm tra- when I'm going along on the bike or on foot. And, yeah, when I was doing uh, riding across the Caledonia Way, I'm just like talking to everyone. I was just like, hi, how's it going? Or like, just make a remark about something. It's amazing. I found that um, in the States, people do this. People will just tell you like their life story. And I thought, how amazing is this? I was there a couple of years ago for like a month and um, I just loved how open people are. And I thought, this would be so cool. I get so, I'm getting so many amazing stories from people. Just, you know, just say hi to someone and they'll just be like, oh, I did this thing and then this other thing happened and then I didn't speak to my dad for like years. And then, I don't know, it's just like, wow, it's like really sort of personal stuff, but also very cool. You really feel like you're connecting with. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try it here in the UK and amazingly even even in London I find that people will like talk to you if you if you say stuff to them people want to chat people mm. do Most actually time people want to chat yeah yeah and I do find sometimes at the lights people just want to say hi or yeah I do the nod the nod sometimes yeah. I do a wave yeah yeah. Um, yeah there was a guy the other day on also on CS2 I'm like just riding along you're not really doing much you're just cycling and so I feel like cycling and chatting it's like a bonus so I was looking at this guy and I was trying to work out if he would want to chat there was a guy on an e-scooter behind us and I and he was like looking at me weirdly if I get if I got eye contact and I was like okay he clearly does not want anything to do with this so anyway this guy on a mountain bike and he had like all this gear on I was like I've been mountain biking and he said no he'd basically cycled from like Kingston all the way over to the West Ham stadium to help referee an over 60s football match like a walking football match which is like a fun community thing that he does and he cycled all the way there and then he cycled all the way back across town and that's a bloody long way that's a long way yeah and he's training for the ride across britain which i'm also doing this year in september and so he's just using it as training and then doing this awesome thing for these people refereeing their football match and then just cycling home again so nice that's so nice he's just a dude on a mountain bike with like a load of bright clothes on and then that's what he's up to so yeah we got chatting we we're just chatting for ages and i turned off and we're like bye chat the lights everybody maybe e- see you e- e- <laughs> e-bikes bringing people together Ooh, it's yes. another unexpected bonus yeah can yeah. you tell us about lindy Hopper? yeah <laughs> and now <laughs> and now for something completely different <laughs> yes <laughs> and i'm gonna do my jazz hands <laughs> and do the charleston in these very small booths <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> Um, yeah, so Lindy hopping, uh, very fun, a very fun hobby. Uh, got quite into it for a while. I've been doing it for about ten years. Oh, God, yeah, Lindy hopping's brilliant. So if you haven't tried it, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a bit like a cult, uh, but not. Um, yeah, um, it does look like it from the outside. Yeah, I, know. I do know a few other people that do, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. you go on your little holidays. Oh yeah, there's and you yes. wear your outfits. Swing camps, you, yeah. which could sound yeah, swing. So swing dancing camps. So yeah, there's. Basically, there's like swing dancing camps around the world every weekend. There's like multiple ones. You can go anywhere around the world. And then you do classes and you do social dancing and you like basically have this like intense swing dancing experience. But it's very cool because by the end of the weekend, you're kind of in this sort of slightly over well very overtired extremely overtired i would i would hazard uh state and then the the dancing just becomes amazing and there's a thing called the the flow state which can happen in anything that you 
you practice and you get better at where you just you start to do new stuff and you're kind of at the edge of your ability and you start to and Lindy Hopping is very kind of improvisational it was a street dance uh, from the 1930s from Harlem in New York and it was it was kind of forged on the dance floors of the Savoy Hotel and uh, so it's got this very wonderful expressiveness and it's like communication between partners and it's wonderful because you're very for me it's very kind of instinctive and once you've learned the steps and you've learned different kind of patterns and you can just switch off your brain and your body just you're sort of communicating with your partner it's lead and follow and then you just stuff just happens well that's how it works for me anyway and um yeah I got really into it for a while I was in dance troupes we performances I was in an all-girls chorus line dance troupe we won the European Swing Dance Championships in I think 2013 I'm a lot less um committed to it nowadays but I still hopping about Lindy (laughs) yeah oh god sorry I know I know some other um Lindy hoppers in the bike scene Judith from Stayer Cycles oh yeah so she's our how does she do it she's our wheel building instructor and is an Mm. avid Lindy hopper and you know who else Chris King Oh yes, you he heard makes, it here far. I did yeah. not know that. He makes the headsets and bottom That's brackets. Right. I had a good, a good chat with him at the bespoke show a few years ago. So did I actually. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking, Were you God, there we at should. The show? Yes, um, you one in Bristol. One you should have gone to dance with him oh because my goodness, he looked I would love so to do bored. That. He looked incredible. He's like, I don't want to talk about bottom brackets or headsets anymore. Let's talk Lindy Hop, and that's all we talked about. That's amazing. I feel oh, like we should, cool. Chris King and I, we should like. Yeah, maybe next time. Maybe next yeah. time I'll ask him to dance. I'll bring a, I'll bring my yeah. bring a playlist and we'll like have a little... That'll be amazing. That's cool. Two worlds collide. <laughs> <laughs> Bikes and Lindy Hop. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Oh, Thank thanks you. for that. All right. Yes. Beautiful. But at the beginning, yes. it was like quite serious. It's fine. That's cool. cool. That's good. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you like what we do, squish that like like button, rate rate us on iTunes, and subscribe. subscribe. If you can't give us your money, give give us your stars. stars. And don't keep us a secret. Slam that share share button and tell your friends about our show. (laughs) 